the most beautiful place in the world, where a Tar Heel blue sky blankets Murphy on its way to the Tennessee border. It's a long way from Raleigh and the Outer Banks, but we're living in Carolina too. In fact, you might call it Extreme Carolina. With more, here's Michael Borkman. Welcome, welcome everyone to the show, Extreme Carolina, a show that focuses on great people with great stories who prove with their everyday lives that anything is possible. And today we have an amazing, outstanding guest today. She is a speaker, a trainer, and an author. And uh, and I'm almost sad, well, I'm not sad, but she has her own podcast too. So I got to compete with all these professional folks out here, but that's okay. It's all good. But anyway, without uh, any further ado or dancing around, Let's just bring her on in here. She is Miss Julie Kratz, and welcome to Extreme Carolina. Thanks for having me. Well, it is our pleasure. I tell you, you've done some things. You've been speaking all over the place. As a matter of fact, you are a sought-after speaker, especially after your TEDx uh, thing that you did on TEDx. I mean, that had to be <laughs> that had to be pretty awesome, wasn't it? Can you just let us well? I'm just thankful it? we got to do it. <laughs> Um, February 29th this year, right before all the mayhem happened. So I'm very thankful I had that opportunity. And that was really the last opportunity I've gotten to speak in front of a group (laughs) until now, virtually, of course. Wow. Uh, I miss those days of stages. Yeah, I bet you that was exciting, though. I mean, uh, being on TED, I mean, that's a, you, I guess some people would say, uh, you've arrived at that point, you know, uh, cause it was a big goal for me, you know, over the years, I've had my business now six years mm-hmm. and doing professional speaking and training. Of course, you mm-hmm. want to get to that TED stage. That's, that's a big achievement, a big milestone. And I watch TED talks all the time. And so, mm-hmm. you know, the amount of rehearsal and preparation required to get it down to those 18, 18. minutes. <laughs> yes. Well, Mine was actually 12 or thir- between 12 and 13 minutes. I was, I was even shorter than that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I worked with a speaking coach and fine-tuned my story and practiced mm-hmm. and practiced and practiced. So envisioned myself in that little circle. Mm-hmm. speaking yeah, <laughs> the same thing over and over again. Now, when I watch it, it's it's funny how much that message, when you really dial in on it, it's who you are, you know, but it, you forget sometimes all the intricacies of the story and how it comes together. It's still, you know, there's one part in particular that kind of brings a tear to my eye still mm-hmm. when I watch it. So oh, it was a fun experience to mm-hmm. do. And, and uh, before all of the summer's events and everything that's clearly we're going through as a country, Mm-hmm. The importance of diversity and inclusion. Um, I'm just thankful I got to speak about it. Well, that is fantastic. You know, it, it's interesting you bring it up about the diversity and things of that nature because most of your work and uh, that you do today is in corporate America, and mm-hmm. that uh, your latest book is called "Lead Like an Ally," and uh, that's kind of cool. The the name of the book. But uh, you do things to help those. It's not just about a a female or woman's movement. It's about everyone in corporate America pulling together to uh, access that ally standpoint. If you can just kind of give us a little bit about that, just a short version of that. 
Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's really a journey through corporate America with strategies to facilitate inclusion. And I myself, before I started my business, spent 12 years in corporate America. So I remember the experiences. And as I've traded notes with women and people of color and those with disabilities and in the LGBTQ plus world, Mm -hmm. you just find there's so many similarities in the nuanced experiences of what it's like to be the other in corporate Mm -hmm. America and the other meaning non-white male. Yeah. As still the leader in organizations like to say my industry is you know not diverse or you know we're getting better you know there's a lot of these excuses yes, for the is. lack of diversity and maybe the front lines are very diverse of your organization you know it, it's it's unfortunate that despite our best efforts we really haven't gotten very far with this diversity and inclusion conversation. Uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, when I was in the workforce early 2000s, was really mm-hmm. kind of just getting its start, actually. Right. You know, sexual mm-hmm. harassment training was kind of what you did. Right. Um, and now we're really seeing this evolution of the work of a deeper commitment, not just a chief diversity officer, but maybe a team, budgets, right. resources, mm-hmm. you know, real things that we really do when we commit to something. So, mm-hmm. I'm I'm optimistic for a positive change. And the book is is really about that, like how to how to do it, you know, how yes. to meet people where they're at. And everyone in your organization needs to be a part of it for it to work. Yeah, so that that's the the manager toolkit in each chapter helps managers understand, okay, this is how I do it. <laughs> ah, okay. Well now now let me ask you this, uh Julie. You were you were in corporate America for twelve years and uh, doing your thing. So while you were in there, obviously you had an idea to step out and do this thing. So what was it? What was that moment that you knew you were going to have to, you know, step away from your nine to five, as it would be? Yeah. Step out on your own. That had to be a uh, terrifying moment almost. Yeah, there's no right time to start a business, I'll say. I mean, I am the primary breadwinner in my family, and I had a one-year-old daughter at the time. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, it wasn't ideal, but I had an opportunity. I had a client that was asking me for help, and it would be a good chunk of business to get started. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, what's the worst that could happen? You go back to corporate America? Well, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you're not really happy there, so why not try this? Right. And I, that's what I've always been a fan of, these pivot points. You know, my business is affectionately named Next Pivot Point because there's so many pivots in our lives and in our career journeys. And I found in comparing notes, you know, everyone kind of looks for themselves reflected in organizations. And I myself, I, I, as I bounced, not bounced around, but had different roles right. and mm-hmm. tried on different things. It was always kind of like, yeah, this doesn't feel right. Eh, you know, and I, I kept thinking, I was like, why can't I just be happy? Like most people seem like they're happy just climbing mm-hmm. this corporate ladder, but right. I went off the ladder. <laughs> yes. It just didn't work for me. Yeah. Um, and so I think in all those pivot points, though, the common mm-hmm. theme is that I love developing people and I love leading people and mentoring and coaching. And mm-hmm. that's really what I do today in, in yeah. my work. And it just took a while for me to kind of look in the mirror and see, see that for what it really was. You know, that's interesting. You say that about, you know, people going along and seeming to be happy doing what they're doing. But in reality, you and us and a whole bunch of other folks know that's not the case because Mm -hmm. there's over, I'd say probably good 78, maybe 80% of the workforce 
is in the wrong job. And, uh, right. you know, they got this job. They go to work every day, do their thing. And a lot of them are pretty good at what they do. But their heart and their mind is somewhere else, you know, because when you can get into the thing that you truly, truly love and that really makes you click, then you can get in that and four or five hours go by like that. And you think, wow, what happened to that? Yeah, because you were doing the things that you truly, truly love. And now in part of your coaching is do you have an area that you have people to, okay, let's look at what you're doing and see if you're maximizing what you bring into the table or do you have something else that you need to do? Do you get in that with the coaching? Yeah. I mean, a lot of my work I'm doing right now is with uh, leaders on how, on coaching them on how to be inclusive. Mm-hmm. Right. So a lot of times kind of taking that snapshot of where we are now mm-hmm. um, versus where do we want to go. So yeah, you have to know where you're starting from point A to know where you want to go to point B. And a couple different tools I love, you know, individual leaders, there's nice 360 assessments that you can do to kind of take an inventory of yeah. your mm-hmm. inclusive leadership skills. But there's also... Um, a diversity and inclusion free assessment on my website um, mm. that people can access. It's kind of 20 key factors. You can self-assess and rate that organizations that are doing this inclusion thing well are doing a lot of these things well. Very few organizations are doing all of them well. Right. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Most common score is a five-point scale. Most people rate themselves a three. So, if that tells you anything, we've got oh, work to do. A lot of us. Sometimes we don't know where to start. You, you got to know, kind of take, Again, that reflective look to know where you want to go. That is so, so true. I I get that. And uh, you kind of threw that in there real quick about the website. So we'd like for folks to kind of know, let's say they're sitting there and we know they are. And they say, wow, this is sounding real good. I wonder how I can get a hold of her. Would you shoot that website out to us one more time? Yeah. Yeah. Nextpivotpoint.com. And uh, yeah, and it's on the homepage. If you want to go directly to the assessment, just go nextpivotpoint.com backslash assessment. Mm -hmm. It's free. 20 minutes. You can do it on a smartphone and it gives you a score and then you know where you need to do some work. That is amazing. We'll, we'll, We'll say that again before the show is over. But right now we need to step aside just for a quick moment because we need to give our sponsor the opportunity to do what they do. But don't go away, folks. We'll be right back with Miss Julie Crabb. Tar Heel basketball, Cam's Panthers, Asheville's eclectic nightlife, and the Great Smoky Mountains. It belongs to us, too, out here in extreme Carolina. Once again, here's Michael Borkman. Be sure to visit our brand new website, michaelborkman.com to access exclusive online content, including over 150 episodes of previous content for free. We are also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as Extreme Carolina. And lastly, if you don't want to miss an episode with our amazing guest, and trust me, you don't, you can now subscribe to our podcast and let the new episodes come to you automatically. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your shows. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to Extreme Carolina, the show that features great people who are doing great work out here in the world. And so today we have uh, Julie Kraft. As we mentioned at the top of the show, she's a highly acclaimed speaker and trainer. 
And she knows how to come in and lead teams that will produce results in corporate America. And I know some of us are sitting there saying, wow, I wish I had her two, three years ago. You know, <laughs> we started this thing and our <laughs> business just went south. But uh, now, are you staying really, really busy in that area of what you do in terms of the uh, training and leading teams? Yeah, it has been quite a tidal wave. This year has been a roller coaster year. I think a lot of us started out with really good intentions. Mm-hmm. And of course, pandemic hit and we didn't know what to do. So a lot of diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts were paused. Mm-hmm. And then they were quickly accelerated with the events of the summer. Right. And I think it's it's kind of twofold. I mean, we're in a position right now where people want people have always wanted to bring their full human selves to work. Mm-hmm. But now they have to are at home home. a lot of times and they are a full human there and they never really weren't when they stepped into the workplace. But I think there was some code switching that happened when we entered the office walls that's no longer happening. And I think what organizations are seeing, if they truly have an inclusive workplace, they're getting more out of their employees being their full selves. Absolutely. But they've got some work to do because most cultures that are struggling right now Mm -hmm. where people aren't being as productive or, you know, meetings aren't uh, as uh, solution oriented as perhaps they were before. It's perhaps due to a lack of inclusion. Mm -hmm. And so we've got to work on that. It's a real opportunity to make sure that we're facilitating brave spaces Mm -hmm. for voices to be heard, for people to be uh, seen and um, for us to be represented. Uh, And so it's, it's a fascinating time for diversity, equity, and inclusion for sure. It is fascinating. And that's a good word to use, but we want to keep it on the positive. (laughs) But there's, (laughs) there's a lot of things going on during this time. And I guess it would really bring out the best or the worst in some of our companies because we're not able to get together in the same room, at least physically. And so Mm -hmm. that really tends to to make us stretch a little bit because now we have to do a little bit more in order to be uh, productive as we should be. I mean, we're, yeah. and, and we're sitting at home, sitting here all comfortable in our PJs and we're trying to do some work from home. And it could be a little bit, uh, uh, I, I would say, you know, where we would lose our attention span. <laughs> just a little mm-hmm. bit. You know, we got things easily to be distracted. You know, when we're at home, you know, kid runs across here or that or whatever, and uh, the spouse is in the room. So it, it makes it a little difficult. Now, in, I would think it would make your job a little difficult. I know we got Zoom and you got people doing that. So how is that different, Julie, from being there in person versus doing this thing uh, virtually? Yeah. And, you know, I actually like it. Um, There's pros and cons, of course. Like you said, when you have people in in a room together, that energy, Mm -hmm. uh, the ability to see facial expressions, (laughs) and I'd be like, get yourself off mute. Uh, Those things are are real. Mm -hmm. However, for diversity training in particular, over the years I've been doing this virtually, Mm -hmm. um, less common, obviously, than before. But what I will say, I'm a big fan of getting 
the white male into the room, right? The the one that has the most power and privilege inside organizations and yeah. getting him to understand why he needs to be involved in this conversation. Mm-hmm. And we're still woefully behind on that front. Yeah. yeah. And right. in a virtual world, it's a lot easier for him to come mm-hmm. and participate in a safe way. Mm-hmm. So I do like that aspect of it. And, and the other piece that I like about the virtual world is that you re- can record the sessions. You can still make them super interactive mm-hmm. with polling and breakout rooms and all the things that we know about with our wonderful Zoom tools. Yep. But you can record the session. And for my corporate clients, a big challenge they've had over the years is this one and done check the box mm-hmm. kind of diversity training. Mm-hmm. Got it. What now you can do by recording the session and to have a book like mine to go along with the session is now you have layered learning. Mm-hmm. So now you have something you can put on your learning management system, wherever you house content. New employees can also be a part of that experience. There's a workbook that goes along with it so that they can have tangible, actionable things to do. Mm-hmm. They can look at the book to reinforce what they learned. And you can have you know micro discussions over time, which we know mm-hmm. That's really important for diversity and inclusion. It's intentional, consistent conversation, not just this once a year thing, just traditionally how we handled it. So I I think the virtual world does lower the barriers for a lot of those best practices Mm -hmm. to thrive. I would agree with that. And, you know, because that way, you know, we're not actually paying attention to those things such as color, such as gender, you know, which is bringing, which is what we need to bring to the table. But I love how you mentioned you know, the white male who's normally in charge, bringing him into the room or into the conversation. That, you mm-hmm. know, how difficult or easy has that particular part been in terms of the white male? <laughs> it's so interesting. It's, it's so hit or miss. And either they're terrified of me or or they just want to sing from the rooftops about it. There's not a lot of in-between. Oh, okay. And I think a lot of them are scared, um, fearful that somehow this means less for me if there's more for everybody else, mm-hmm. kind of that zero-sum game mentality, right. and, and more often just fear of saying or doing the wrong thing. Well, a lot of the rhetoric I get is, I'm a white guy. No one wants to hear from me about mm-hmm. this. Right, right. Or what do I have to say? Like, I'll just listen, or it's it's really, you know, fill-in-the-blank job to do this. Uh, so they've just been so used to not being a part of the conversation, maybe not welcomed into the conversation as well, mm-hmm. that there's this visceral fear that gets evoked, especially when they enter a room where no one's like them, because it's very uncommon for mm-hmm. them to experience. Right. Call it the white male epiphany. Yeah. <laughs> crosses the <laughs> threshold and looks around like, oh, I'm the only one. Oh, but then realize that's what we're asking of people of color, of women, a lot mm-hmm. to do all of the time to be the only one. So yeah. if you can come at it from a place of empathy and come at it from a place of it's not a zero-sum game, mm-hmm. that we all benefit and grow together, the pie gets bigger when we're working together, great business results come from this, mm-hmm. then I think it overcomes quite some of those fears. Well, and you also, in the book, uh, Lead Like an Ally. So at, at that point, what you just mentioned about the white male, so it, it you teach and show how they can use that diversity and help or let that become allies in order to really make this work better. Uh, did I say that right uh, in terms of? Oh, your, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think the majority group, though, the white male, you know, assistant, gender, straight, able bodied, you layer on all the different dimensions of diversity. There's way more than just that. But for simplicity purposes, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that, that's our greatest opportunity. We know most of the research and data shows us that you know, there's 20% of the population, 20% of your organization that gets it, mm-hmm. that wants to be diverse and inclusive and knows how to have this kind of conversation that we're having today. Major majority, 60% does not get it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean they don't want to get it. They just don't understand. And that's usually the majority group. <laughs> and then there's the other 20% that doesn't get it and they probably don't want to. And you know what? It might be okay if we leave them behind for now. <laughs> Focus yeah. on that middle part yeah. where we really have the greatest opportunity. So that's lead like an ally is really meant to belong in those people's hands that have access to power and privilege mm-hmm. and wealth and systems of inequality right. that they can help shape. That it, so it works for everybody, not just for people like them. All right. That is, that is so cool. I like that. And the book is out now um, in, on shelves. Uh, where can, if somebody wanted to get this book, you know, where do they have to go to get it or where is it? Yeah, it is on Amazon, so you can easily find it there. Lead Like an Ally, Julie Kratz, K-R-A-T-Z, and on my website, nextpivotpoint.com. Mm-hmm. And if you want to go directly there, backslash books, you'll find it, or it's directly at the top on the menu bar as well. That is awesome. Awesome. And by the way, folks, it is an awesome read. It is fantastic. And it's a quick read. It's not very, very big, which is Thank God it's not because I, <laughs> I struggle. Attention spans, right? <laughs> That's right. I struggle when it get when it get past 100, 150 pages. I'm in trouble. So, uh, but anyway, thank you, Julie, for, <laughs> for writing a real concise and to the point book. We really appreciate that. But now, before we let you get out of here, we do have to find out just one, maybe two things about you. And uh, we like to always ask these questions of our guests. And one of them is real basic and simple. We just brought up about uh, reading. What book have you read recently that had the biggest impact on you, Julie, and why? Mm, I love the book, I'm Still Here by Austin Training Brown. Uh, it's about her own intersectional experiences in uh, her her experiences in corporate America. Much has to do with the diversity conversation that we're having today mm-hmm. um, as a black woman with a kind of a white male name. <laughs> she really <laughs> okay. her own personal story and experiences. It was super eye-opening and she's a great storyteller. So I learned so much. Nice. Now, would you tell us the name of that again? And uh, so that we can get that yeah. in there. I'm Still Here by Austin Channing Brown. Nice. You're right, a white male name. <laughs> right? That. Everyone's like, oh, it's a white man. And it's not. So she she kind of has this interesting response yeah. that people have to her. Right. And that just says a lot about where we're at, right? It does. A ton. Man, I tell you what, this, this has been fascinating. I love to go on and on and on. But as you know, you know, sometimes you just come up against the clock and you gotta just shut it down and move on but i'd love to be able to have you back down the road if you know sometime we can get you back on the show is that possible to to do that of course yeah part two to be continued and that way we can find out a little bit more about you the person it's miss julie kratz and uh, by then you would have uh your your family would have grown a little bit i think about oh that yes <laughs> i'm expecting it as we're recording uh a few weeks out from having my next little ally on the way <laughs> uh, about that we can't have too many allies well maybe we're gonna have too many kids but not allies. <laughs> <laughs> right exactly <laughs> well folks Listen, this has been fantastic, and I really enjoyed it. And Julie, for sure, 
I mean, I, I love talking to you. I look forward to talking to you more, but we do got to get out of here right now. And I just want to say thank you for being on the show. We really, really appreciate it. And we do look forward to uh, a part two down the road. So uh, I'm, thankful. Uh, I'm thankful for the opportunity and to be an ally. Well, it is my pleasure. And I'm looking forward to it. Folks, we appreciate y'all being here today, but we do got to get out of here. And again, this is Extreme Carolina, the show that focuses on great people like Miss Julie Kratz here that are doing great things and uh, helping people to develop and become better at what they do. So with that said, folks, we're going to get out of here and thank Miss Julie one more time. And we love all you folks out there. And we look forward to hearing from you. Don't forget, that's Extreme Carolina at michaelborkman.com. We appreciate everyone. Take care. God bless. See you soon.